Luke chapter 19, I want to continue a series on Big God. And today I want to look specifically at a man named Zacchaeus and how God is even bigger than our past. We'll get to verse 1 in just a little bit. Anthony Bourdain has a show on the Travel Channel called No Reservations. And in this show, he travels to many different countries and explores their culture and also explores the food that they eat. In one episode, he's in Dubai and he's sitting with some guys at a low table that is situated in the center of the room. On that table is one common bowl. And in that bowl, there is, of course, some meat, there is some rice, there's some yogurt, some other things all in there. And everyone reaches into that bowl, grabs some of the things that they want to eat, and then eats out of that bowl. And yes, there is double dipping. You go back in the bowl, you pull some out, and you eat. That is so much closer to the way that they ate in Jesus' day than the way that we eat today in our Western culture with knives and spoons and forks and plates. And we have our own cup where in Jesus' day they would often eat from a common dish or a common pot. Even a loaf of bread was passed around. You pulled off that one loaf, what you wanted, passed it to the next person next to you. And then also, and sometimes it would be a common cup. What does that mean? It means everyone shares the same cup and you just pass it around. And yes, there probably were floaties. In today's passage, Jesus is traveling down to Jerusalem. And there is a crowd that is traveling with him to go to the Passover feast. He is traveling through, however, to get to Jerusalem, traveling through the city of Jericho. And this will be his final time. This will be his fourth Passover since he started his public ministry. And while he's in Jericho, he picks a guy to eat with and picks a guy to stay with that others did their best to avoid. And Jesus changes that man's life. Let's jump into the story here in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, and we'll start by reading just the first verse, and then we'll explore deeper into the chapter. Verse 1 says, And Jesus entered... And passed through Jericho. As we read this text, it's important for us to understand the context of what is taking place. For once we know the context, then we can kind of get a handle on the atmosphere of those, of the atmosphere around Jesus and those that were traveling with Jesus. Jesus is headed down to the Passover. And as we look at this text, and we understand the atmosphere that Jesus is dealing with, we understand this is the last week of his life prior to the crucifixion. It's going to be a rough week. And he knows what is coming. He's very aware. He knows that in the week ahead, there is betrayal. There is denial. He will be arrested. He will be beaten. He will be falsely accused. He'll be mocked. He'll be crucified. We just talked about that feeling that you have when you're headed off to vacation. The atmosphere that is in the car when you're heading off and the expectation, all the planning that you've been doing for those months, now you get to execute those plans. The atmosphere around Jesus was very different than the vacation-type atmosphere. He knew what was coming. And I think, I'm afraid sometimes we look at Jesus, yeah, but he was God. 
And God's all-powerful. And I want to remind all of us, Jesus was all God. But he was also all man. He was tempted in the same ways that we as men and women are tempted. He had to be man to be our redeemer. Jesus had the same emotions. He had the same pains like you and myself. He had betrayal in his life. And he knew what that betrayal felt like. He understood the pain and the hurt. He knew that coming up was going to be the last supper. And sitting with him at that dinner was going to be the very man who would betray him. But yet we see Jesus loved others all the way through it. Jesus loved his Judas in his life that was going to betray him. Jesus even fed his Judas. He continued to be an example of of kindness and love to those who harm us. So he was all God, but he was also all man. Feeling the emotions of men, that was the atmosphere around him. The burden he was carrying on his way to Jerusalem, but first hitting Jericho. Let's look at verse 2. And behold, when we see the word behold in the Bible, think of the word look. Except look with all caps with an exclamation point after it. And Luke is saying here, and look, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. The first thing I'd like to explore this morning is that Zacchaeus was a publican. The taxation system of the Roman world was very elaborate. It was very complicated. When they conquered a country, they generally allowed the populace of that country to continue their daily lives. However, they farmed out the tax collection of those citizens. And they gave that to private contractors. And those private contractors would go into the homes within that city and collect the Roman taxation. They were called publicans. They were public servants. But they served Rome. Of course, this system lent itself to corruption and resentment towards those tax collectors. The publicans were dreaded. They were despised. Mostly because they were Hebrews, but turned their back on Rome and betrayed their own people to become rich. They were oppressive and they were dishonest. William Barclay, a historian, says this about the Roman taxation system. There was a purchase tax on all that was bought and sold. There was bridge money to be paid when a bridge was crossed. Road money to be paid when main roads were used. Harbor dues to be paid when a harbor was entered. Market money to be paid when a market was used. Town dues to be paid when the traveler entered a walled town. Are you noticing anything here? If a man was traveling on a road, he might have to pay a tax for using the road, a tax on the cart, on its wheels, on its axle, and on the beast which drew the cart. There was a tax on crossing rivers, on ships, on the use of harbor quays, on dams. There were certain licenses which had to be paid for engaging in certain trades. That taxation system, to me, sounds a lot like modern-day America. 
Everything was taxed. The publicans were so distrusted that they were prohibited from giving testimony in court. They were known for lying, known for being dishonest. So if they were an eyewitness to a crime, they were not allowed to enter that court and give testimony because they were not trusted. Even if a publican dropped their walking staff and you, out of kindness, saw that and you stooped down and you picked it up and handed it back to them, in the Jewish custom, you would then be ceremonially unclean because you touched something that was a publican. Are you picking up on the hatred and how despised this group of publicans was? The New Testament indicates Jews considered tax collectors in the same category as sinners, harlots, Gentiles, and the rabbis even considered them as murderers or on the same level as a murderer. And we have this man named Zacchaeus. He wasn't just a publican. Did you pick up in verse 2? He was the chief publican. What does that mean? It means he was the man that oversaw all of the other publicans. You don't walk into a chief position. You have to work your way up. And as an ordinary, regular publican, Zacchaeus was very good at manipulating numbers. He was a CPA that could cook the books. And he could go in and he could say, no, this number should actually be higher. You should pay a little bit more. He was good at scamming people out of their money. So good that he was elevated to be the chief. He was put at the top to teach the other publicans, this is how you do it. This is how you collect more money for Rome. He was a chief publican. He was rich also, verse 2 tells us. And he was powerful. Others didn't like him, but no one messed with him either. And then this man, Zacchaeus, hears down at the rumor mill that someone is coming to town and his name is Jesus. And Zacchaeus wanted to see this man named Zacchaeus or Jesus because he had heard so much about him. This tells me that even though Zacchaeus was at the top of his career, even though he was rich, even though he was powerful, he was still lacking something in his life. And he wanted to see Jesus. Then we look at verse 3, and we have a problem. There's a press. And verse 3 says, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. The very first thing we see here is Zacchaeus tried to go and see Jesus, but there was a press. That is not the paparazzi that was here in Jericho. It is not the Charlotte Observer, not that kind of press, but rather such a group of people gathered to see Jesus. It was not only great in number, but there is a physical description here where people were pressed up against one another. If you've ever been in a subway in New York, you understand. You get in and you're by the door thinking, okay, this train, this cart is full, but then 20 more people pile in and then you start to feel that press. That's what it was like trying to see Jesus, shoulder to shoulder, pressed up to the person in front of you, and the person behind you is pushing in on you. 
And Zacchaeus, because of that crowd, could not see Jesus. There was no ticket system, no organized line, each person for themselves. But it wasn't just the press that kept Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus. It was also his reputation. Even though Zacchaeus was in the back and someone taller was standing in front of him, no one was going to say, hey, come up in front of me. No one was going to escort Zacchaeus to the front so he could actually see because of his reputation. When you look at the word Zacchaeus, and you look at the Hebrew meaning built into that word, you know what it means? Pure and unmixed. And the truth is, Zacchaeus was anything but. He was not a pure Hebrew. He was not a pure Jew. He was mixed. Trying to serve his people, living in their country, but also serving Rome as well. He was in Abraham's family tree, but he had betrayed every descendant of Abraham. Turned on his own people, forgotten who he was and where he came from. So we have the press that is keeping him from seeing Jesus. We have his reputation that is keeping him from seeing Jesus. But then we also have a physical limitation that is keeping him, and that is his height. He had no limitation when it came to money or power or position, but physically in height, he did. Author and lecturer Joshua Marine said, Challenges are what make life interesting. Overcoming them is what makes life meaningful. And Zacchaeus figured out a way to overcome these challenges. He was small in that crowd. We, I'm afraid, in our life sometimes can feel small. We could give way to negative thinking about ourselves. And we start believing the lie that we are insignificant. And God could never do anything meaningful in our life. But that is not true. God knew who Zacchaeus was, and God knows who we are. And we're not insignificant. We have a part to play in his kingdom and the spreading of it. Let's look at verse 4. What happens now? He's little of stature, can't get anywhere. Verse 4, and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore. That's a fig tree, okay? A sycamore tree to see him. For he, or Jesus, was to pass that way. Zacchaeus is so determined to see Jesus. No one's going to let him into that crowd. He can't see over them. He says, i got to see Jesus some way, somehow. So he runs ahead to where he is guessing Jesus is going to be. Maybe just down the path, just down the road, just on the other side of Jericho. He runs down that way and he finds a tree and he climbs it. For a man of Zacchaeus' position to climb a tree would seem absolutely ridiculous. He was without a doubt, in my mind, the nicest dressed, the most expensive robe, the nicest shoes, and that's not what you climb trees in. A man of his position should not climb a tree anyways. That's just not heard of. He would have been laughed at, but he didn't care. He wanted to see Jesus. He overcame his pride. 
He says, I don't, want, I don't care what people see. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they go home saying about me. There's one thing I want to do right now, and that is to see Jesus. Risking all criticism, he scurried up that tree. Truth is, when you have a burden to see Jesus in your life and to see him work, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what you have to do. It doesn't matter what you have to climb. You are determined to do it. Now let's look at the place. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, that means the spot. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. The word place here in our text means an actual geographical position, an actual place, but it's even more than that. It has a timing built into it. And when Jesus came to that place, it's not just a random spot. It's a specific spot at a very specific time. Did Jesus know Zacchaeus would be in that tree? Of course he did. Did he know when he would be up in that tree? Of course he did. God is the author. He is the giver of all of life. And he knew one day when that tree was just a sapling that Zacchaeus would be up in it. It's no accident that tree grew in that spot. No accident Zacchaeus climbed that tree. No accident Jesus passed by that tree. I think sometimes we just chalk things up to accidents or coincidence. And the truth is God plays more of a role in the timing and the place and the spots in our life than what we are willing to give him credit for. It's no accident that we are here this morning. It's no accident that we are in the Charlotte area. This is where God has planted us. Why did he plant us here? Because he has a role for us to play in his kingdom. He has a job for us to do. We are to be his witnesses. And as Jesus is traveling with this big group, Zacchaeus beat them all ahead. He climbed that tree. He's maybe peeking out through the leaves trying to see who this Jesus is. And then something happens he never thought would happen. Jesus walks up to the base of that tree. He looks up and he calls Zacchaeus by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come on. I want to go to your house. I want to eat dinner with you. I wonder when, Zac- when Jesus was walking by that tree and Jesus actually stopped at the base of it and looked up. For a split second, I wonder what Zacchaeus was thinking Jesus was going to say. What could he say? You're a scammer. You're a liar. You're a cheater. You're a betrayer. And the list could have gone on. Jesus could have called Zacchaeus by all of the sins of his past. But he didn't. He called him by his name. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down. How did Zacchaeus react just in that moment? Verse 6 tells us. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He was glad that this Jesus that he heard so much about actually wanted to speak to him. This man knew his name. 
And with his eyes, when they made contact, he could tell they were filled with love and compassion and care. Zacchaeus had not seen eyes like that for a very long time. But if someone's willing to love me with eyes like that, I want to follow them. But can Jesus look past all of the sins of his past? Can Jesus forgive Zacchaeus for the wretched life that he was living? The selfish life just to get rich off of the backs of all of his neighbors and his people? And the answer to that is God can forgive. And that leads us to the pardon. Let's look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. It was at this encounter that Jesus had with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus realized this man is capable. This man has the power to forgive me of all of my sins. And we see the pardon. A pardon is the action of being forgiven. This passage right here speaks to me and says, God can forgive anyone. God will accept anyone. God can use anyone. Imagine Zacchaeus after this exchange. He is now a believer. He's a follower of the Christ. And now he needs to do some things. He told Jesus that he was going to take half of his wealth, 50%. Imagine your net worth taking 50%. And Jesus is saying, or Zacchaeus told Jesus, I'm going to give that to charity. But that's not enough. I need to do more than that with my other 50%. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go back. And every single person that I cheated, every person, I took more money than I really should have. I'm going to pay them back four times what I stole from them. Imagine Zacchaeus going back to that first house and knocking on the door. The curtain in the window moves a little bit, goes back. The wife runs to the husband and says, It's Zacchaeus. Is it April already? Do we owe our taxes? I can't believe this. And the husband's saying, We paid our taxes. We don't owe that man anything. That scoundrel. Imagine that husband going to the door, opening it up, and says, What do you want? What are you doing here? And Zacchaeus has a totally different look on his face than he has in the past. He's smiling, and he's holding a bag. And he takes that bag, puts it into the hands of that husband. And he says, I got saved. I'm now a follower of Jesus. And I cheated you money, and I'm sure you've known that. But I am repaying you four times every dollar I took from you. And then Zacchaeus goes to the next house, and repeats it. 
Zacchaeus had a turning point in his life. He was living for self, living for his bank account, his house, his clothing. But when he met Jesus, that did not mean anything anymore. He turned his back on that in true repentance. And as a forgiven person now, he went back and made restitution with everyone that he could. He is a changed man. How big is God? Bigger than our past, bigger than all of our sins. No one in Jericho would have ever guessed that that man would become a follower of Christ. When Zacchaeus first went to see Jesus, he came up short. He could not see. I know that feeling sometimes. It's like, all you tall people are always in front of me. Come on. I can't see. Just come up short. Just can't quite see. Romans 3, 23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of our sins, and because we are sinners, we come short of God's glory. We come short of entering heaven because of our sins. We can never have enough works to meet God's standard. We can never live good enough where we can present ourselves before God and say, God, I did the best I could. I hope I did more good than bad. What do you say? You're going to let me in. We will fall short every single time. All of us have sinned. We all come short. However, there is a tree for us, and that's called Calvary. And on that tree, tree, Jesus took upon himself all of the penalty of our sins. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's what Zacchaeus did. He called upon God. He realized he came short, not just in his physical stature. He came short overall in all areas of life. And the truth is, we might not be as Zacchaeus. We might not lie all that much. We don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't scam others. Pretty decent lives. But yet we still come short of God's glory. He loves you so much, he willingly took your place. He took my place, and he offers forgiveness if you turn to him. Others from your past might remember you by what you used to do in your past. They might remember how you lived. And when your name comes to their mind, maybe they do think liar. Maybe they think wild. Maybe they think whatever sin it was. But when Jesus thinks of you, he's willing to look over your past if you come to him. And he's willing to accept you. He knows your name. So, is there hope for lives that are missing something? Yes. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And the mission for us, believers, is still the same. It hasn't changed. He wants to use us to reach the world around us. The story of Zacchaeus is profound. It provides hope for us who are sharing the gospel. It doesn't matter what life they're living right now. We have the hope. If they turn to Christ, their life can be changed. Are we doing our part? 
There's hope for people whose lives are missing something. Don't give up on them. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. If you're here this morning, if you're online listening this morning, and you've never turned to Christ, you've never turned to Him and said, forgive me of my sins. I need you. Please save me. I know I fall short. It doesn't matter what condition you're in right now, in the seat that you are sitting in. God knows where you're at. He knows the sins of the past. He knows the sins of today. But he says, I'll forgive you. Zacchaeus in that tree looked down, saw Jesus, and he heard Jesus say, come on down. I'm going to go home with you. Come down. I'm willing to forgive you. Come down. I can change your life. Something only Jesus Christ can do. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.